Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Warby, and I am here with the beautiful and and intelligent Tarina Warby. Hello out there. Always the best to have you mm-hmm. with us. Thank you. And um, yeah, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, really, <laughs> I've had a lot of comments saying that you are the best opposite and just make the show fun. So oh. I, I just wanted to let you know because well, I didn't thanks. tell you that before. Huh. That's great. Yes, I know, right? Okay, so we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, Three topics specifically, and I'm going to open this up. And you probably noticed by the title, and I think the title of this one was something about uh, the zombie apocalypse. Now, (laughs) I've been talking about, you know, I've been telling everybody to beware of zombie companies for some time now because there was it was absolutely kind of a no-brainer that zombie companies were going to were going to come, right? Yeah. That, that they were going to, uh, that we were going to see them because the amount of, we've never had more corporate debt and that amount of corporate debt in a time when interest rates are going up and the economy is starting to slow down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is, is just a really bad combination. It makes me really nervous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Every time I get on the freaking radio, my voice goes out. Okay. So y'all are going to hear me cough all right (laughs) i don't know what it is but every time there's always this little part where i'm like i can't speak anyways it makes me really really sad yeah well and and it is a sad thing but it's something that we knew was coming or something that we should have known was coming anyway the latest to be classified as a zombie company is the brand dc now this is some clothing brand all right uh, for a younger generation nah there were kids wearing that stuff when i was a kid Really? And I'm almost 50. Yeah. Well, I don't remember it when I was a kid. Well, but then again, I'm not a fashion guru, so I who don't, knows? I don't remember it being like, like nobody was like, oh, I'm wearing DCs. You know, like they didn't, <laughs> it wasn't like it Nike was just, or Adidas. It was somewhere a, a step up from whatever the Kmart brand was. Because it was Kmart back then. I think, well, I had Walmart and Kmart, yeah. So, anyway, I mean, we had both of them. Walmart was like the new hip store, right? Kmart was like, (laughs) old Kmart. When I was little, little, Kmart was the store. And JCPenney. They they had the the flashing red lights or flashing blue lights sale or whatever that was. Hush Puppies. JCPenney. Yeah. And Sears. Sears and Robux. Anyway, so, yeah, by the numbers, um, you know the DC fell into the, the zombie category. Now a zombie company mm-hmm. is, is a company that is far enough in debt that for all intents and purposes, they are the walking dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is when their debt payments are more than or equal to any of the profit that they would have otherwise had. Yeah. Right. It's just eating up anything. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and this means that they're still moving. I mean, they haven't declared bankruptcy yet. They're still moving. But they're not making any money, yeah. which is the lifeblood of a company. So for all intents and purposes, kind of dead. One stiff economic uh, wind will knock them down. You don't invest in a zombie company. Now, yeah. here's the thing. If you don't know what a zombie company is and you don't know how to do the numbers to figure out that it's a zombie, chances are you might be holding it. In fact, there's a good chance that um, that uh, the mutual funds out there are holding you know, something like D.C., because they've got lots and lots of stuff that they're looking at. They don't do a whole bunch of time analyzing everything all of the time. So, you know, oftentimes these uh, companies will, will creep in and, and do damage to the portfolio. Yeah. You know, the fund in total. Oh, at any rate. Yeah. 
so, you know, I wanted to start off just by saying this is something we've been talking about. Beware, because we're seeing it more. And now we get to get into other things. All right. Yeah. Um, if you've been looking at the headlines lately, and I'll tell you what, you know, I don't like looking at the headlines. I do when I talk on the show, because I want to be able to point out those things that might be real and important uh, as opposed to those that aren't. All yeah. right. Uh, just um, really fast. If it says, here's two stocks to load up on, ignore it. That's usually a really bad sign, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, like earlier this week, they're like, oh, the stock market's going up, it's going up, it's oh, going up. Oh, it's going through the roof, And I yeah. said to you, I said, I bet you tomorrow or by Friday, it's going down. Sure enough, by Friday, well, like some of it was going down, like like things that they were like touting. Yeah, and, I mean. and you're absolutely right. In fact, I wanted to spend some time. Now, last week, we talked about the Friday effect. Um, and the Friday effect last week had everything to do with... Um, you know, with with the, uh, the what we call payday Friday, all right? But we also mentioned on the show that Friday is also a time to see what the big money, you know, whether the big money is nervous or not, Yeah. Uh, what they're doing. And last Friday, what happened was is that while the 401ks and the mutual funds, all of those were putting their money into the market, mm-hmm. um, the larger uh, players were taking their profits off the table. And you could see that at the very tail end because it went in, down in, yeah, a in the bit. last half an hour when the mutual funds had stopped buying and now you just had the you know the rest of the money just because it, yeah it peaked and then poof, kind of dropped off right there at the end mm-hmm. sharp spike down all right well this friday is a little bit different but i want to i, I want to uh, lead up to it first by talking about jeremy grantham okay okay because jeremy grantham has been very vocal lately in the news um and Jeremy Grantham is, has said that right now he's in love with cash. I mean, th- this is really odd for an investor to be in love with cash, mm-hmm. okay? Because when you are holding cash, you already know that you're in a losing position. Every minute you're holding cash, inflation is eating away your buying power. Yeah. And so it's, it's ultimately a losing strategy to hold cash. Mm-hmm. But so you've got to ask yourself, you know, here Jeremy Grantham is saying, oh, I'm in love with uh, cash right now. And he's just holding a whole bunch of cash, uh, just like Ray Dalio, Warren Buffett. Um, they're all holding cash. Interestingly uh, enough, mm-hmm. Charles, what is it? Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan were mm-hmm. hit during the beginning of the year thinking that the market was going to go down, but they still are on the sidelines with like the market running up 9%, 19%. Yeah, they were. And and that's exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, is when you've got a whole bunch of money, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jeremy Grantham is taking care of a lot of money. Warren Buffett is taking care of a lot of money. Um, they can't be very reactive to the markets. And the, so they have to do what we call crystal balling it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when you're trying to read the crystal ball and tell the future like of the they're markets. still in the markets but they're not but they have a lot of cash that's out of the markets yeah they've taken they've taken any of the positions that they think might be adversely affected by a market drop or a large market drop mm-hmm. they've taken those and and sold them off now they're into cash mm-hmm. right and what they've got left is things that um that they bought so long ago that that no matter what the market does they're still going to be in good position you know, especially with the dividends or, you know, so like Warren Buffett's never getting rid of Coke. He bought it back in the 80s, for heaven's sakes, when, you know, when it was all of uh, 28 cents per share in today's money. <laughs> and the thing pays <laughs> out 
34 cents in mm. in dividend every year you know Man. per stock and it it split four times since then by the way so you know he was picking it up and now anything that he's holding is paying more than 100% of his basis price yeah in dividend he's never getting rid of that no why would you yeah but many of the other things he is getting rid of mm-hmm. right so what he's into is either commodities like occidental petroleum mm-hmm. um or Coke, something that has paid dividends and he bought it a long time ago. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. telling you to go buy dividend stocks right now. You know, just let's be very clear with that. Um, or he's in cash. Mm-hmm. He's holding $150 billion worth of cash right now. Yeah. Because he doesn't like what he's seeing in the markets. Okay. Um, now, the big guys, they have to kind of crystal ball it. Yeah. One of the aphorisms that we have in the market is that you should never crystal ball it. You eat okay. a lot of glass. Yes, exactly. He who who crystal who he who uses the crystal ball eats glass, right? Ugh. Yeah, and and yeah, that's an appropriate metaphor. That upsets my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so like, I've seen the Grinch like eating yeah. like the metal and the glass, <laughs> you know, where like he's, a goat. Yeah, yeah and I'm like, Ugh. yeah. Just every time I see it, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's ripping up his esophagus <laughs> in his stomach, which he's not, but you know, that's how I felt because it was just sugar molded. In the I, movie there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, you're, you're exactly right when you were talking about J.P. Morgan, um, you know, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, where they were all, they all thought that the market was taking a dive early in 2023. Instead, the market went up 19% from January to uh, July. Oh, so, okay. Right? Uh-huh. And so uh, they lost out on a lot. And here they're trying to report uh, quarter two profits. And you can remember that that there were those investors into Goldman Sachs that they, they were calling for, um, you know, for the CEO's head. They, they wanted him fired because he'd sat on the sidelines during a bull market, yeah. for heaven's sakes. Um, and, and now they can't afford to do that, those companies that did it. But... Here we've got Jeremy Grantham, Warren Buffett, you know, some of the much larger investors, those that, you know, that take a much lar- longer view. And they're saying, no, I don't care what the market's done. I'm I'm sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. All right. Until this thing is uh, does what it's going to do. Finite. Yeah. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. You know, I'm not telling everybody to go to cash right now. Not what I'm telling you to do. You shouldn't do things the way that Warren Buffett and Jeremy Grantham and, you know, and Ray Dalio do, because you aren't in the same position. All right. The the truth is, is that when you can be very nimble to the market, you as an individual investor can be very nimble to the market. All right. If you want to sell, there's going to be somebody out there wanting to buy what you want to sell. Well, um, well, you have a greater probability of yeah. somebody else being on the other side of the trade when you want to sell or when you want to buy and stuff. Exactly. And so, yeah. There's enough volume out there that it, the volume is, you're not likely going to overpower the volume. Yeah. Like in indi- the cell. independent traders, they get front of the line privileges mm-hmm. when they're, when their um, orders go in. So if your order goes in at the same time as an institution, guess who gets filled first? you do it's yeah. written into the law and so so you're you can be in and out of trades faster than an institution especially when an institution is buying a ton yeah. of shares or something it, or a ton of forex well, or whatever, right right you know? and, and and you know just think about this warren buffett is sitting in 150 billion dollars worth of cash right now which means that he's been selling things off slowly for a long time yep. right and he sold it off slowly because 
that's all he can do without making the you know the market just take a dive all at once yeah if he sold all at once there's not enough buyers out there for the number of selling positions that he has because they're in this constant battle right and so when the sellers overpower the buyers that's when the market goes and down that's why it's called a sell-off yeah and then yeah. when you have buyers that overpower the sellers then it goes up mm-hmm. it's a supply it's a and demand thing it's a run-up and so so that's why he can't do it. I mean, he would, and then all of a sudden, you know, he'd be in with Congress, and Congress oh, would yeah. be in interviewing and be, him. Everybody and, would be upset. I mean, and all the head dudes at Hathaway, Berkshire and Hathaway, <laughs> would be in there, and it would just suck. I mean, I'm sure they get a slap on the wrist and they blame it on somebody else, but right. you know, some kid who's in England who has autism, who like you know traded, you know, how he caused like a day where right. everything went down, and then they'll just take his money, you know. That's it, you know, or, or he was when too effective. he was too effective too in what effective. he did. And then, you know, like in the big short, they blamed it all on one Russian trader and the guy ended who had up nothing going to do with it, by the way. Yeah. Who had nothing to do with it. He ended up going to prison. Like, it's just, you know, but all the big players slap on the hands. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know, Lehman Brothers. Yeah, you're out of business. But I'm sure those guys who went bankrupt still have their hundreds, millions of dollars. Yeah. You know. And stuff. Sorry, it's a little bit of me. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I know. No, it's all right. She's got such a big heart. I love her for it. I, anyway, yeah. So you know, the thing is, is that you shouldn't do things like the big players because they, of necessity, have to do things that that you don't. All right, they can't be prepared for just anything to happen. They can't be very nimble. They have to pick a direction and stick with it because you know, when it comes down to it, what they um, what they are driving there mm-hmm. is something akin to a an aircraft carrier, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. Do you know how, how many miles it takes for an aircraft carrier t- just to turn around? You've got a mass, you know, have got a number of miles. Now, a little speedboat, eh, it's turning around in, you know, in, in a donuts. couple of meters here. Yeah. I'm using meters. That's so European of me. Yes, it is. How about that? All right. But but a, a big ship like that, it takes a long time for it to stop. It takes a long time for it to turn around. Um, and so they have to look ahead much farther than you do. All right. You as an individual can use stops. You can use uh, protective puts. You can use all sorts of things, meaning that you can be much more effective because you can keep into a market a lot longer than somebody with a lot of money that has to get out earlier, that has to, you know. As long as you don't run into slippage. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, and, and so unlike, <laughs> unlike uh, J.P. Morgan that you brought up and Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, you know, who had to prepare ahead of time, and that's why they were sitting on the sidelines so long. Well, you could have been into the markets and preparing for it. Um, and if you knew how to effectively use stops and protected puts, eh, no problems. You know, keep letting your money run up. It's all good. Did I, did I say that wrong? No. No. Okay. I mean, good. you just can't. I mean, we can't. I'm just saying, like, yeah, we can't promise anything. Well, you know, I'm, but not, like, and I'm not promising and you're not anything. Promising, I, what yeah. I'm saying is, is if you know how to use stops and protective puts, then you don't have to be as forward-looking as they are. Okay. Okay, you, that you, was really clear. You've got a much like, shorter I'm, time frame. Like, that's a definitive much, statement that you just said. Yeah, there. you've got a much so. you've got a much more ability to be reactive rather than they have to be so proactive. Oh yeah, I mean because right. if it went down, they, those guys could yeah. not get out fast now, enough. Now you have to be proactive, but your proactive or is more up. like 
you know, let's, let's have some protect, protective puts. Let's have some stops in place so that if it turns and I'm not ready for it, then at least my tools have saved me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but unlike, unlike you, they, they absolutely have to try and use the crystal ball, mm-hmm. which, and you should, never should. Yeah. So I, I hope that that helps. And, and I hope it was, I hope people understand that because mm-hmm. I said a lot of words and repeated it several times, hoping people would understand it. I think they I will. I think I was saying I it in the same will. way. I think those who listen yeah. will understand it. <laughs> Don't call them people. You Everybody, know, y'all. The audience, y'all. Uh, we'll, go with, we'll go with the Southern thing because it sounds so warm. Y'all, <laughs> right? All right. Anyway, um, so now that we've gotten past that, you know, let's talk about the Friday effect because... You know, what I'm seeing here with the Friday effect is is something that's a little bit dangerous. Uh, you can see that if Warren Buffett and Ray Dalio and, you know, Jeremy Grantham are all sitting in cash, they're a little bit nervous. And you get to see that in the market. It's, it's best demonstrated there on Fridays. Mm. Okay. And so what the larger players want to do, and especially when they're nervous, is to be out of any, you know, any of their positions by the weekend. Yeah. Now, these are the larger trading houses. They don't want to be holding through the weekend. Okay? No, because they don't know if it's going to be gapping down Yeah, because the Monday. markets are closed. They have no idea what's going to go, go on. They can't control their risk. Yeah. And so they just want to be out. Yep. And so, you know, you can see how nervous they are by, you know, what kind of sell-off we have on Friday. It mm-hmm. can be going up the rest of the week, but if it sells off on Friday, then you're looking at it saying, eh, the big guys are nervous. Yep. All right. This is a very important concept for everybody to understand. All right. Because if you are trading in the markets, mm-hmm. then your source of um, of finding the lows and highs, mm-hmm. at least those lows and highs that are going to be predictable, mm-hmm. somewhat predictable. Mm-hmm. All right. Really have everything to do with the big money. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, when you're looking at it, if you've got a big player in there that when they buy, they buy just a lot of stuff. Yeah. Then when they buy, it it shoots, you know, it shoots that asset up. Yeah, you can they, see they it can't in the candles. It. Yeah. Right? They just can't help it. The money that is deployed overcomes the sellers that are out there. And, and so it's going to go up. Um, and and th- th- because that's the price that they want to buy it at, the next time it comes down and hits that price, you know, they've run it up and then it, and then it goes into the hands of, uh, of people that don't know what they're doing. And so they play around with it for a little while and then it starts coming back down, right? The sellers get in charge. It hits that price and they buy it again, which shoots it back up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, they've just told you where they want to buy. All right. Now, when, it, when all of a sudden you see it just spike down, again... You've just seen where they want to sell. Yeah, that's, that's the big players. And, and so they become very predictable at certain prices. All right. And if you don't know what you're doing, then you're, kind of, you're going to call that supply and demand. Wait, if you you're don't know what get, you're going to call it, I'm supply, sorry. support I'm sorry. and if, resistance? If support and resistance, okay. yes. What's actually going on is you've got a supply and demand situation, okay? Now, if you call it support and resistance, it's going to lead you into trouble because if you don't actually understand what's going on then you also don't understand that that's going to have a decay point yeah all right the support and resistance is going to have decay last week um who 
um, anyways, I was talking to him and he was like, yeah, well, support and resistance. You know, the more it hits it, the stronger it is. I'm like, mm, no, 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 no. Like the weaker it is, the weaker it becomes because you, you're beating out your supply and demand. You're beating out the buyers and the sellers. And yeah. one of them's going to win, you know, so if it hits three times, fourth time, yeah. it's going well, one way or the other sometimes. Yeah. You know ultimately, what I mean? ultimately what you've got is these big players, you know, like Goldman Sachs who's saying, yes, I want this and I want it at this price and I only want it at this price. Yeah. And so I'm going to buy it at that price. But they're only dedicating so many millions of dollars towards that. And once that millions of dollars is spent and now they've got all the positions they want in that, yeah, they're not buying it they're anymore. They're not buying it anymore. And so now there's nothing to keep it from going through that price. That's right. Going either way. Either way, up or down. All right. And so there's a decay point. And if you don't understand, if you're calling it support and resistance, then you're thinking a little bit backwards. Buy or sell at that price, we should say. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, so you, you really need to understand what's going on and mm-hmm. be trained in, in how long to trust it and, and when to trust it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you've got to see it for what it is. At any rate, uh, you know, what we were talking about there is that it's important to see where the large players are because when it comes down to it, they are the only source of, of understanding. They're mm-hmm. called market makers for a reason. Mm-hmm. They are making the market either go up or down. Mm-hmm. And if they have that power, you know, on, an, on a normal year, uh, they are forcing the market to do what they want 88% of the time by the numbers. You can find this, by the way, if you go to uh, if you go to Goldman Sachs annual report. <laughs> you know they they describe how their trading goes, and you'll see that eighty eight percent of the time they are forcing the market to do exactly what they want. Eighty eight percent of the time they're right. I wonder how many independent traders are eighty eight percent of the time right. It, well, and so obviously, if you've got a player in there that's eighty eight percent of the time right, it's in your best interest to be able to see what they're doing and simply tag along. Yep. If that's their buy point, yeah, yeah, I want to buy at that point. If they've got a sell point out there, guess what? I want to be out by the time it hits that price, right? That is, 88% is is kind of a, that's a pretty good standard. Mm-hmm. Morgan Stanley, I think, does better than that, by the way. Yeah, okay. Yeah. At any rate, you know, so, um, so it's important if you want to make profit to understand what the price, uh, you know, what price at what price is the money going into the market and at what prices are they going to take their profits? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm trying to say there because you should follow along with that. And if you don't understand how to do that, we have classes for you, okay? Mm-hmm. We are showing you exactly what to look for, the rules as to how long to trust it, things like that, um, and and uh, how to work with things if you're, you know, if what you were seeing was, was not right. If you... Uh, if you analyzed it wrong, there's still a way for you to be, well, to be right more often than you're wrong. But if you're wrong more often than you're right, then there's still a way to be profitable. You just have to understand how to do it. All right. So you can come into our, uh, our classes. We have got a free class and we've got the, um, and then we have other classes. The free class is three, three hours, yeah. right? Um, good information. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, you can get to that class. You just go to our website. It's www.tradingacademy.com. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in the Phoenix area, we'd love to see you in person because you're going to get a better class, but mm-hmm. we do have online classes. So, um, no matter where you are in the world, listening to this podcast, you can go to www.tradingacademy.com and, uh, you know, have, a, attend one of those free classes. Okay. Okay. And, and you'll see how it actually works 
from the perspective of, uh, you know, of the larger houses and then how an individual would be able to, uh, yeah, to recognize uh, where, where those prices are, mm-hmm. right? All right. Um, now, there's one more thing that I wanted to talk about really fast. This one's just fun, okay? There was an article talking about uh, kind of a weird economic indicator. Now, there's a lot of weird economic indicators. We talk indicators. about these indicators all the time. Men's underwear, yep, casinos, restaurants, uh, strip clubs, <laughs> off-brand, all yep. those things. So only one of those goes up, the off-browns. All the other things go down during is an That's economic right. indicator. That's right. So the one that we haven't talked about is casinos. Yeah. All right. Um, and casinos... Uh, they're they're kind of a they're kind of a different one because it, those and the um, the strip clubs are both considered entertainment. Mm-hmm. All right, now you get really worried when you see the casinos and the strip clubs start taking a hit because generally during economic troubles, entertainment is the last thing to go down. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so there's been a lot of talk um, around the idea that we might have a new indicator called the streaming app indicator, meaning that when people start eliminating streaming uh, type channels, then you know you've got problems. And we have seen that. However, that doesn't fit in with the history of economics. Okay. Um, The entertainment... Well, that's because like people weren't paying for their TV 20 years ago. And now they are well, like, I mean, you can't even watch ABC unless you stream it and pay for that. And, and that's privilege. absolutely true. And I agree with that. And that's um, why they concept. had to like send out all those like um, emergency notices to people's phones nationwide because they're like, people aren't watching the TV anymore. We can't send it out through there. So, I mean, so it makes sense. Well, yeah. And we're, we're going to have to watch this play out yeah. because when it comes down to it, you know, if you, if you look back at the depression, um, you know, people didn't have streaming back then, but they did have movie theaters. Yeah. Movie theaters did not take a hit. They actually got more popular during the Depression because people needed a place to Forget. escape. Yeah. But yeah. now we have YouTube. So it's YouTube. escapism. So yeah. you can escape well, and, there. And actually, we don't know how this is going to play out. We have seen um, a real cutback in streaming mm-hmm. thus far. And men aren't buying as much underwear. And restaurants all right um they're not getting tipped as well and people are have stopped going in fact there was a report out this week about millennials Mm -hmm. millennials have uh, by and large stopped going to restaurants Uh, their credit cards are maxed out so now they're eating at home Mm. right um we have talked about or we have seen the off brands become more popular than the brand type stuff Mm -hmm. and and i can't tell you how extreme things have to be for somebody to go and and buy off-brand cheerios because you can taste the difference. Cheerios, yeah. you totally can. <laughs> it's like, you know, right. cornflakes, you're okay. Marshmallow mateys, you're okay, right? Well, well actually, the really, know. really I mean, off-brand marshmallow, marshmallow like, like Lucky Charms, that one you're like, I'd oh, rather yeah, have Lucky oatmeal. Charms. I was gonna say, what, what's what's marshmallow mateys is a like yeah. off-brand of Lucky Charms, that, that's but then a Walmart there's Walmart off-brand, right? It's a Malto Mates. So Malto Malto, Mates. Malto okay. meal, but Malto meal. but then you also have then you have then there's a downgrade. There's something below that. There's something below that, and Whoa. that one I have had, and it it has not been pleasant. It you was not like pleasant. I'm like I would rather have oatmeal, <laughs> and I like oatmeal, so I'm like I'd rather have oatmeal than that, like homemade oatmeal with raisins. And I'd rather have cracked sugar. wheat. 
That's no. when it. That's when it gets really bad. No, I, I don't want crack weed. You don't like crack weed. I can't do that. But yeah. you know, oh, no. <laughs> I've never right. had crack weed. Actually. <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna keep our eye on the streaming channels. Now, the problem with indicators, by and large, is that they are lagging indicators. Okay, meaning that it takes time. You're already into trouble before they actually start appearing. Mm-hmm. Right which means that the companies that you're investing in have already taken a hit and are probably down. So you failed to catch the top. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now, the other problem with that is that they're not always accurate. So mm-hmm. one of the leading indicator or the, yeah, one of the leading indicators that we've talked about um, quite a bit has been the bond market, right? Mm-hmm. When the bond market inverts, meaning that the short-term notes um, have a higher yield than the long-term notes, then uh, you know, that means that the smart, what we call the smart money or the larger money is starting to run to, uh, to the short term. They're trying to take their, their risk out of the stock market and put it into something that has at least, you know, you've got at least something coming in mm-hmm. and the bond market is going to give you something, right? Yeah. All right. Now, if, if there's always something like the bond market, then you have to ask yourself, why isn't Ray Dalio and Warren Buffett and places like that, you know, mm-hmm. why are they right now in a time of inflation? We have higher, higher than mm-hmm. normal inflation. So their money is being eaten away or their buying power is being eaten, eaten away faster at this period than, than at most times in history. Mm-hmm. And yet they're willing to sit there in cash and not go to the bond market. All right. Are you 100% sure that they're not in the bond market? I'm just reading the reports. Okay. So if the reports are correct, then they're sitting in cash. All right. Now, Jeremy Grantham and Ray Dalio have both announced they, they didn't wait for people to look at the SEC reports. Mm-hmm. You know, they simply, and I say SEC reports, the SEC demands the reports. That's not, you know, so mm-hmm. they have to file. And you're looking at the filings. Um, Warren Buffett, he, he doesn't tell people what he's doing. He lets them look at the reports and everybody follows that. Warren so, Buffett, yeah, yeah. As soon as as soon as the report comes out, the news knows it, and then they report it. Uh, but Ray Dalio, Jeremy Grantham have both talked about the idea that they're in cash and that they're in love with cash. All right, and this coming from both of them just uh, what two a year and a half ago said cash is trash. All right, and now they're sitting in cash instead of going to the bond. Of course, market. they said it was trash because they wanted everybody else to buy up. Never mind. Okay, there, well, there's my. Anyway. Cash was trash back then. Yeah. All right. So you're making money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, but is... the bond market has has actually had a a larger than fifty percent hit. Yeah. And we talked about that last month, right? Or last yeah. week. Last week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that last week. And so they're they're they can't run to the bond market because they fear more crashing in the bond market, mm-hmm. you know, as uh the US may get downgraded some more because they haven't solved this debt yeah. issue because we keep going further into debt, um, things like that, uh, you know, have driven this bond market down. And so, you know, but one of the indicators that, that we're going into recession is that, is that, and this has been 100% accurate since they started tracking it way back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. All right. When you see an inversion, you've got, within 18 months, you've got a recession. Well, if the recession doesn't happen by January, then that that will be broken. That yeah. record will be broken, all right? It's no longer 100% effective. Um, however, we have had an inversion, mm. and that's typically a leading indicator, all right? Um, so anyway, I'm not trying to 
actually, you know, get people nervous or, or get them down. What I'm saying is, is that these people are nervous. They're taking money out of the markets and that shouldn't make you get out of the markets, but it should make you a little bit cautious. All right. You should be looking and saying, all right, maybe it's time to deploy some of my protective uh, type strategies. So protective puts or, or uh, stops if you don't know how to use um, options. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think that that's the message because it doesn't matter where you look, you know, that's what you're seeing. And actually we're seeing two different messages. Some people are simply going off of the technicals mm-hmm. and not the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, technically, you know, um, October through through December are always really good months. So it's a great time to get in, mm-hmm. you know, buy the dip from September. Mm-hmm. And Ray Dalio and and Warren Buffett are saying, oh, I remember 2008 and October through uh, December was really bad. I'm not going to do it. Mm. You know, me, don't know. And I'm not going to try and crystal ball it. I'm just going to say, be ready to be nimble. Yeah. You're okay. ready to be nimble. Be cautious. Yeah. You can stay in. Just make sure you've got stops, trailing stops or protective puts, whichever you prefer. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. All right. And and I hope that that, uh, that that helps. And if you don't know what trailing stops are and you don't know how to be nimble, again, we've got free classes. <laughs> so come on in and join us. We love to see you. All right. Uh, tell us that you've uh, listened to the podcast and, and we'll make sure that things are a little bit special for, for just you in the class. <laughs> we'll recognize you above everybody else. How about that? All right. So come in. Uh, and if you're in the Phoenix area, come in in person. And um, and we'd love to see you. Again, uh, you would register whether it's for the in-person or the online by going to www.tradingacademy.com. That's www.tradingacademy.com. And I hope this has uh, helped and we hope to, uh, you know, have you on the podcast again next week. Until then, have a good day. Bye.